Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. A very Spanish revolution on Talk Sport. When I first came to this country more than 24 years ago, most English people knew Spain as a holiday destination with exotic football clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona that never really related to the sporting English experience. I couldn't even find the weekend results in the newspapers. It has been only in recent times, very recent times, that top Spanish players have opted to come to England during their peak years, and then only a few of them. A trickle which started with the likes of Naim at Spurs in 1993 and Xabi Ferreira Marcelino before 2001 now has become a torrent as Spanish football's popularity has risen. Torres, Silva, Costa and Mata spring most readily to mind. Liverpool have had more than their share of Spaniards under Rafa Benitez and Arsenal and Manchester United started a new trend of signing Spanish teenagers like Cesc Fabregas and Gerard Piquet. The total number of Spanish players in the Premier League has been on the rise for the past decade. 13 Spaniards featured in the whole of the 07-08 season. 29 have already played this season, including Silva, Cesc Fabregas, Santi Cazorla or David De Gea, with that tally rising every year. There have been 12 instances of Spanish players winning Premier League medals, but only three were in the first 19 Premier League seasons. In the years since we became world champions, nine have lifted the trophy. So the question is then, why are there more Spaniards coming to the Premier League while the majority of, say, Germans and Italians tend to stay put? Besides the obvious argument that there is the monetary draw of England, the ultimate dream for most Spaniards is to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona, and beyond that, a more competitive Premier League might well be the most enticing option. I decided to speak to three players, one from the past, one from the present, and one from the future, and find out how they have adapted, why they came to the Premier League, and what part they have played in this very Spanish revolution. I met Caifka Mendieta, Mikel Arteta, and Hector Bellerin. What else? At Iberica, a fantastic tapas bar in London, and we did what Spanish people do, eat tapas and talk, in particular, about what their lives have been like in England. Mendieta gets it, Mendieta blasts it, Geiska Mendieta finds the top corner for Middlesbrough. And as far as Arteta, who unleashes a powerful drive into the corner of the net from the edge of the D, and Everton are 2-0 up against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. The man from San Sebastian has scored. Gives it to Bellerin, who shoots towards the far corner, and 
he does. What a goal. What a great finish that was from Bellerin on the edge of the area. He caps a five-star attacking display from Arsenal. Hi, I'm Gaiska Mendieta. Yakubu's got it back. Mendieta is there! Mendieta makes it more for Middlesbrough. Hi, I'm Mikel Arteta. Arteta's won it for Arsenal. Arteta goes for goal! Arteta scores the goal! It's Arsenal 1, Manchester City nil. It's Mikel Arteta! Hi, I'm Hector Bellerin. And then the volley effort deflected in. 3-0 to Arsenal. And Hector Bellerin's on the score sheet. Three minutes into the second half. It's surely job done for Arsenal. I want to take you back. Uh, what, what did we get here? What is, what's that? Cod, isn't it? Cod with some finer. This is some, uh, some peppers and tomatoes. Looks lovely. <laughs> and some uh, black rice. So I don't know if you're still hungry, but there's some black <laughs> rice here with alioli. Uh, but I want to take you back to the beginning. I want to know what your experience in England has been and, uh, and what you remember exactly from the first day that you landed in England. Starting with... Um, most veteran for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he is the most veteran in Britain. <laughs> Me, first memories. Uh, I remember my first training. It was very intense. We did uh, like a 11 v 11 because although I arrived quite early previously, I think we were playing Arsenal at home, but my, my uh, papers, my, my license didn't arrive in time, so I couldn't play. So we prepared for the next game. And I remember that that game being so intense, like non-stop, in terms of playing, which it was good because prepared me to you know to have a taste of what the Premier League is like. And I love every single game. I've, I made my debut against Leicester uh, away, and and I love the football since the very first minute. Uh, but exactly the first day, so you landed where in Manchester or in? No, I landed in uh, in London and then flew to Tisa Airport. Yeah. And what so you they took me out for a dinner because it was in the evening. Uh, in the morning after, I went to the training grounds, had a meal there in the in the restaurant. So the training grounds, we were waiting for all the paper to arrive and, and sign. The, uh, that day I didn't train; I trained the day after. So I had a, you know, a, a view, uh, get to know the players, get to know the manager, get to know everyone in the in the club. Really, that was more, more an introduction than anything else. And what? What was the feeling? But you were looking around and you were thinking, this is my place now, this is where I want to be. Well, I, I loved it because although it's not very big compared to the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, obviously now Man City, the, the training grounds, for a club like Middlesbrough and, and coming in those days from, from Valencia, Barcelona, Lazio, the, the Barca didn't have great training grounds. Now now they've got the new, the new facilities. But Middlesbrough had like, won't you... Three, about six pitches, one, one uh, indoor, uh, two uh, artificial grass, uh, the gym. So it, it was quite, quite impressed with, with the facilities. Also very secluded where, you know, journalists and fans not always uh, available and, and, and accesses, access to the trainings. So it was very relaxed. I think as a player, I loved it. The club would take care of the players in terms of filtering whoever was contacting you so different obviously how, how it was in Spain at the day and uh, my first impression was like yeah I love it here there's something I want to ask you I want to ask you why Middlesbrough but uh, that's a story that is a fascinating story that we'll get into in, in a little while but Miguel, 
not to the time when you get to Everton, not to the time when the, your first day at Arsenal, your first day in Glasgow. When you arrived to Glasgow, what was that like? Well, I was lucky because I knew uh, what I was expecting. Uh, I played with Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League against Rangers. So I played at Ibrox and I was really impressed. Because at that time they had some really good players and, and the stadium was amazing. So I was already knew in what it was coming and a few weeks later they came and they wanted to sign me but two days before I went to Glasgow I was going to Paris and signing permanently and Barcelona decided not to, to let me go to Paris oh. but let me go to Glasgow because they were paying more money so I went I think it was a good experience for me I knew I wanted to be there for one or two years because my objective was to come to the Premier League so I went there I took my whole family my father, my mother day, and my sister trip. and we all went there and we stayed in a very small hotel and we knew it was a shock as a family, a completely different life and, and we met with some of the staff that day and I couldn't understand a word. My English was bad but I thought I was going to be able to get some words and I couldn't get anything and then I was a bit shocked and my sister as well and my mom said well this is going to be hard work. But at the end, it was an amazing experience, really nice people. And uh, it really helped me for the next uh, few years here. That previous experience there, it was, it was amazing. Did you get to walk the town on your first day? Yeah. And you were walking around the streets of Glasgow. We did it very quickly. I think in 15 <laughs> minutes, it was all done. <laughs> because at that time, uh, it wasn't very developed. Uh, and when I arrived to Liverpool after, it was pretty much the same. <laughs> so I knew, you know, I knew. And I was trying to look at the positives, and there were many positives on that move. But as well, family-wise and lifestyle-wise, it, uh, it was a big challenge. You had to convince your family that, you, that it was a good decision, that it was I a good place. I think it was the proposal, because when I moved to Paris first, uh, it happened really quickly again, and uh, I just moved with my mom. So the situation between my parents, it wasn't ideal. And my sister was feeling a bit lonely as well, and and they got a job for her at the BBC in Glasgow, and uh, she wanted to get involved with that experience, and uh, it worked out really well for all of us. We still talk about it, and and we had a great great time as a family. I, I imagine your parents didn't speak English. Nothing. Uh, so your mother had to stay in Glasgow, and she had to go shopping. Yeah. But they went to some of those um, open courses, you know, with all type of different nationalities. And they had some very funny and bizarre friends <laughs> after three or four weeks. And Who is uh, the most bizarre of the friends they've got? I don't know. We had uh, Moroccans. Uh, we had uh, people from Lebanon at home coming for dinner. So many different nationalities and uh, they really enjoy because they felt like going to university again <laughs> with 56 57 years old you know and uh, and they really improved as well so it was good and Hector you left home at 16 mm -hmm. now I think people forget what that means yeah. uh, but remind us what that means actually well for me um, I was lucky as well to to make that step not by myself but with a, with a um, player that was with me since we were eight year, years old uh, John Torral which is at Birmingham now and um, that made it a bit easier you know to have someone that knows you that is your friend and you know you're making a step but you're not making it uh, by yourself but it was hard as well you know um, on the first day I remember just going to a very small hotel 
very close to the um, the house we were going to stay in digs so we met with the family they showed us where we we're going to live and everything and on that same night um i was going to go and sleep to that house and i remember having dinner with our parents and our parents were living in the morning and it was very heartbreaking you know i remember seeing my mom cry and i was thinking i'm only like two hours away you know i'm not that far but for a mom I think obviously living his um, her 16 year old son in another country and everything must be hard. So he hit you at some point. Was there at some point you said, "Oh my God, I, I am two hours away in in theory, but yeah. actually I'm in a di different world." Yeah, I mean, at the beginning you're always really, really excited, and obviously you're young and you're not even thinking what you're leaving behind, kind of thing. You know, I just wanted to play football, and it, it was a new experience, so. I wasn't too bothered about leaving all that behind. But obviously, once you're there for a few months, you're like, oh, wow, that was a big step what I did. You know, I probably didn't realize at the point, but it was always really, really positive for me since the first day that I was at the club. So I've always been really happy, never felt homesick whatsoever. I had obviously the the luck as well from from the club of being really really helpful with uh, getting my parents to visit me and all that they are making everything really easy so is that part of the contract you you, you put in the contract like five visits from my parents or every year or something I, like I mean that. yeah i know that some people do it but um for arsenal what they said to me is like whenever they need to come just let us know and we make it easy for you you know it wasn't about um the money i guess for for a club like like, like arsenal just spending a, a few quid on a on a on a flight ticket this is not that that much you know but uh it was it was really nice for for the club to to see how how um, they were taking care of the players even didn't matter the age did they put you in one of those houses where the likes of Cesc Fabregas and Fran Merida have been living in? Yeah, it's always, uh, there's uh, five or six houses uh, that do the service and um, I was at uh, one of the houses where Theo Walcott was as well as uh, an English player. Um, I was there with Ignazi Mikel. Um, loads of players have been through through that house. We had like a, a top floor where there was four beds. It was massive, you know, and there wasn't a lot of privacy, but... It four was, beds in the same room? <laughs> yeah, in the same room, you know, there was like four corners, one bed in each corner, you know, with a wardrobe and... All of you players? Yeah, all of us players. And I think it was nice as well because we had like a Norwegian player staying with us, a Swiss player, and then me and John. And, you know, it was nice to, um, you know, make friends just as, even before training, you know, because we stayed there for a few days before. So it was a very nice experience and I got really, really good memories from, from that house. What was your English like? Who had the worst English? You all speak. You, you, you obviously, Hector spoke English at, at school or learned English in school. Yeah, but, but what, what Mika said, they remind me a lot of of, of what, what happened to me as well. I, I used to get really good grades at school in in English, you know. So I was thinking, yeah, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna kill it. People are gonna think like, yeah, this guy is English. <laughs> so as soon as I get there, the driver's like, you're right, mate. What? You know, speaking like this cognitive English, and I'm thinking, what? What is that? I don't know. I don't understand what he's saying. So. It was it was hard at the beginning, but then I could like formulate sentences and all that stuff. So speaking, it wasn't that hard. But the understanding, the different accents and everything, it was it was. Tough. Let, let me just say that you, not only you have a Cockney accent, you can actually impose a Cockney accent. <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> you can put it on repeat if you want. Coming up. Hector Bellerin on the difference between English and Spanish football. It was great, you know, to play every afternoon and the whole stadium be packed and you're thinking, like, that doesn't happen in second division in Spain. And Gaizka Mendieta tells us why Middlesbrough. 
all the decisions we made in our careers are football uh, based. Uh, obviously, you consider your families. Back in the day, I had two kids, but it was great for them to come to England, learn the language, uh, school, education, everything. Very Spanish Revolution on Talk Sport. Hector Bellerín, Mikel Arteta, and Gaif Camendieta, three players, past, present, and future, sat down with me and we discussed all manner of things from their first impressions of English football to adapting to life in a foreign land. This is their story. Your English was was decent at the time, Mikel, or? Also, but uh, because again, my qualifications at school were pretty good. But after you just notice that uh, you need to start studying, I was um, I was single at that moment, and that helped. I think that's a very important thing to be so you can meet and go dinner or for lunch with with some different women, and and that helps because you are really interested to improve. These are football fans, these are journalists, who are these uh, women? A variety of different uh, (laughs) (laughs) profiles, but uh, I think it really helped. And uh, and in your case, did you come with some English guys? A little bit. I went to school and then academies, but similar to Mikel, the borough accent is something that struck me when I got there. Have you still got it? Not not that I got it, or or I... I manage it is that I couldn't understand it. Uh, I could speak with the foreigners, with any Dutch, uh, Slovakian, or Brazilian, whoever, but, but the English. With the English, it was so, so difficult. I remember normally someone would ring on the phone on the landline, and uh, regarding any of the utilities or anything to do with the home, I said, send me an email, please. <laughs> <laughs> put the phone down, because I couldn't commit to anything that I didn't know what we were talking about. <laughs> So it took me a while, even on the table, when you go with the team, you normally the English get to get on the same table, or if it's like a long table, and then the, the foreigners on the other side. And you, when you try to listen and, and have you know, a peek what they were talking about, there was no chance. I, I, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. I don't know if you, you ever thought of this, but uh, we seem to have a facility to learn languages. No idea where that comes from. I don't know if that's the education mm-hmm. we're given, or maybe the need. We leave our country, so mm. we go abroad and we think uh, we have to par- be part of this. Yeah. Do you? Is that how you thought? Uh, we have to be part of this and understand this and speak the language, otherwise we won't get what's going on with me here, we won't get what all this culture is about? Is that how you feel? Me personally, I felt uh, really uncomfortable when I, I wasn't able to understand uh, the people around you, the environment, and you can't really express yourself. You can't get close to people. You can't just affect uh, around the club and how you want to do it, how you want to improve things and, and make yourself uh, more important and I think it's, it's for me it's the first thing you should do and, and as well it's, it's a way to, to send a message to the people around you like you respect the culture I think they, they make um, quite a lot of effort to bring you there and at least the only thing that you have to give back is try to to settle in and, and learn the language as quick as possible. Hector, did you have a day, a Sunday, a Monday, or a day where you were in training where, where you thought, what am I doing here? Or that you were sad or that you were... No, I never really had those kind of moments, you know. For me, them days that I was in training, 
I was always uh, I used to ask my my English mum, you know, and I was like, what can I do today? So she was like, oh, you can go to Covent Garden. There's a really nice place in there. You can go to Camden Market and stuff like that. So even though I didn't knew anyone, you know, I just used to grab my Oyster and go to central London and, you know, just have a look at all the stuff that was going around. And then when my family would come over, I would, like, show them what I've seen and all that, you know. So I've been that kind of person that, I mean, I don't mind doing things by myself. And I've been at 16 and having the opportunity to just few weekends you know go around London and I think that was that was a great experience you know to to meet other people as well on the way because um, obviously the only people that I knew there was the my my teammates but that's what I used to do so that's why I say I didn't have the chance to be to be homesick at any point and and Gaithka you decided to go to Middlesbrough and that's far away far away from from the football world as well as geographically far away from London Mm. say was there deep down a choice made out of what you felt at the time, not just a football reason? Well, it was mainly football, obviously. I think all the decisions we made in our careers are football-based. Uh, uh, obviously, you consider your families. Back in the day, I had two kids, but it was great for them to come to England, learn the language, uh, school, education, everything. So it was purely about football. It was purely about changing my mindset and, and after being in the big clubs seeing from a different point of view why not go somewhere else what is trying to grow make history have an impact and bring my experience to that obviously the players that were in meters about the time Juninho Zenden uh, Viduka uh, Southgate so there were internationals from, from different countries uh, Joseph, Joseph from, from Cameroon so it was even for me, when the first time I heard about Middlesbrough was like, obviously I knew because Juninho was there, because Rabanelli went there, Boxing was there, but not much about actual club or, or, the, or the city. But it was, it was definitely about football. It was about bringing my experience to a club where it was ambitious at the time and he wanted to, to win trophies. And, and that was purely what it was about. So you, you had been at Valencia, obviously, became when you moved to Lazio the most expensive play in history at the time uh, didn't work out very well at Lazio, was that at the point where uh, you went to Barcelona but at that, around that time when Steve McLaren got in touch with you? No, he actually did it, I mean after being at Barcelona alone from Lazio uh, I would like to stay there but Barca was changing, was the new president the new uh, Chiqui got there as a sporting director, they wanted to change the whole dressing uh, uh, room squad and went back to Lazio, did the pre-season with Mancini. Uh, but we, I think we b- both sides knew that that wasn't an option to stay there after the, the first season didn't work as we thought it would. Um, so it was then when, when McLaren came to the training rounds and we had a chat. To be honest, I didn't think much about the option at that time because there was other on the table that I was considering. And it was after a while when I thought, you know, why not? I spoke to some people, I spoke to Juninho, and, and I said, you know, change completely uh, direction, why not? Did the experience at Lazio and Barcelona hurt you, uh, as in, in relation to your love for football, and were you looking for a place where you could uh, recover that? N- not the love for football. Obviously, we, I think we all love football over anything, otherwise we would have been doing something else. Uh, but obviously, yeah, it hurts your self-esteem, it hurts your pride because personally I didn't think 
one second for the money or anything. I, I think for my commitment with the club and the, and the team, that's, that's what it takes me to go and take different challenges, like when I went to Lazio, Middlesbrough, Barca, or even Valencia in the beginning. It's to, you know, to get your, your career in, in the direction you want. And, and that was that what, what it made me you know, go, go there. And, and, and Barcelona, obviously, going back to La Liga, to a club and football that I was more uh, suited to my style, it was a way to, yeah, to enjoy football again playing. But uh, the love for football is always there. And the same for me, but it was all about playing and football. In my whole career, it's never been... That's the only reason making decisions was about football. Sometimes I heard players that go through uh, perhaps a long injury or, or, or they have to disappear from the, from, from, from the, uh, the, 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 the scenery of football. And, uh, and they think that uh, it is a time to reflect especially if there's still more years in their careers. Uh, and, and they feel sometimes that you do things, especially at the latest stage of, of your career, you, think, you do things by, uh, because you have to, not because you're enjoying it. When you get away from football for a little while because of those injuries or whatever, uh, it, it makes you recover that love for football. Is anything like that happened to you, Mikkel, where uh, being away from football just makes you realise what you have, uh, that you sometimes on the day to day don't 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 see. Yeah, I had to turn around things a couple of times when um, my career was under threat with uh, some bad injuries. But uh, when you love football so much and and you're really missing it, you are able to to come across and and sacrifice many things because you really want to be back on that pitch. But as you said, for me, it's been great to reflect about um, how much you like what you do how much you need it and, uh, and take the direction you want for the near future and the longer future and prepare yourself. And uh, it's a great experience. Some people have been so unlucky, but sometimes it's, it's a very good thing to stop a little bit, reflect, and, okay, you're on the floor now. Nobody's expecting you to get up. Can you do it again? You know, and, uh, and you learn a lot of things uh, from those moments, probably more than when everything is just coming across nicely and, and is, everything is smooth. And perhaps you reflected on that day where you decided to be a football player. Was there a day or were you, was it part of a, of a, of a process? No, I was 14 and uh, I was um, playing a small team in San Sebastian. And, uh, and suddenly I had two options, go to Athletic Bilbao or go to Barcelona. And my dream was always to play for Barcelona, that was my team that I supported since I was very little and, and I did as in, I've been selected this is a very small group I go there and I was amazed with everything with the setup with La Masia which is the, the residence for the players with the environment I had with the players that I was able to, to sleep as Exo was talking with the players that have been really successful afterwards and it was a great experience at that moment I thought listen if I do it right, I've been chosen, I've got a good chance. So they put everything on the table. Who did you share that bedroom with then? Uh, Pepe Reina was uh, sleeping above me. <laughs> then Victor Valdez, Iniesta was there, Tiago Mota was there, uh, Babangida was there, Trasoras from uh, Rayo Baecano, Puyol was in the other room with Xavi. Uh, we had some really, really good players, but as well really nice persons. On the quiet corner, Iniesta and Valdez. On the busy yeah, corner, yeah, Mota and uh, Pepe Reina. 
No, Victor is quite lively. Victor <laughs> is very, very funny. Um, Andres, yeah, Andres had a really difficult time. He was younger as well, and and he was a very sensitive um, person, but he was very liked by everyone. So he had a lot of help, and and he was fantastic. And what he's done and the way he's behaved through his career just tells you everything about him. In fact, he actually came very, very young at an age that uh, players from outside Catalonia weren't brought, no. but he was so good. Uh, and he, that's one of the things that people forget, and that's why I was trying to get you, Hector, on, the, on, on your arrival to London, which is very successful, and you are happy. Uh, but it's not everybody's case, wasn't it? You all left your countries. You've all been successful, but you heard stories like Iniesta where, where he cried, where, where at some point he probably didn't think he was going to make it. No, but after uh, we used to watch all the games uh, so on Saturdays or Sundays, you know, we used to play at 11 and then the other was playing 12.30, 1.30. And every Saturday you would go back to the resident and say, this guy is going to do it. He was tiny, white, he couldn't get against anybody, but he was the best player every weekend. So <laughs> you could tell. If he wants to and he, should, he goes through these moments personally, he's got every chance to be top. You're listening to A Very Spanish Revolution with me, Guillem Balaguer. Coming up, Mikel Arteta explains how he adjusted to his new surroundings and Héctor Bellerín reveals why he's probably Spain's best snooker player. to a very Spanish revolution with me, Guillem Balaguer. Despite the difference from food to music to stadiums, Héctor Bellerín, Mikel Arteta and Gaizka Mendieta chose the English Premier League for football and a home far away from their own. What was the moment, Héctor, for you where you had to decide to be a player? Well, for me, um, I started playing for Barcelona at really young Um, I started in, in the Barcelona uh, kids' school with these like 200 kids playing against each other every weekend. And then one day um, they told my parents that they wanted me to train with the uh, underrates of Barcelona. And I trained with them for six months. And then they told me that next season, if I wanted to, I could join the Real Academy, the Real Barcelona Academy. So even though you're really young and you're at Barcelona, you would never think that probably you can make it at that age you know it's all about enjoying football and playing every weekend yeah you play for Barcelona but you're still young and I think it wasn't until I was around 14 that then you know agents start to approach you and things getting a bit more serious then you get uh, these brands sending you boots and you're like wow now this is not just how it was before you know but I don't think it was till I was exactly at that age at 16 which is the age when you either sign a contract with Barcelona kind of long term contract or you go away it's usually at that age so when I started getting offers from different teams I was thinking I can actually make a living you know out of football if I if I do it the right way so that was probably the the moment where I had to decide where I wanted to do and and you know that was the moment where I decided to join Arsenal as well and Gaizka you also have a moment uh a visit to a shop with your dad where you had to decide if you were going to be a player or not yeah yeah because I used to do athletics 
Well, I played football in athletics uh, before I took football seriously uh, at the age of 15, 16. So, yeah, before the pre-season, uh, obviously my dad took me to the shop to buy these football boots for the pre-season and the, well, the season. Back then, one pair of boots would have to last you for a season. <laughs> like now for a few months. Um, so he, he, the, the, the shopkeeper brought these very expensive ones and the cheap ones. So my dad said, well, which ones do you prefer? Obviously, I said, the, the expensive ones, because they were the nicest ones, <laughs> not just because of the money. So he said, well, if, if you check the expensive ones, that means you know, spending all this money in these football boots, you, you have to use them. So obviously, he was hindsight that if I take that made that decision was to, to take football and, and drop uh, athletics and so I did but that was quite late because I was at the age of uh, like I said 15 probably Jagielka pulls away and goes towards the back post it's edge towards Jagielka up there first is Kiriakos but only as far as Arteta who unleashes a powerful drive into the corner of the net from the edge of the D and Everton a 2-0 up against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby you all had that first day as well when you get to the first team to a first team. In your case, Hector will be a first team for Arsenal, of course, at uh, Valencia, and in PSG will be the first team. Well, in Barca as well, because I was in the pre-seasons with them. Right. So that day arrives when you have to just take your boots and your stuff and put it in the in a locker or in a changing room with the first team. What What do you remember of it, Miguel? Oh, my pants. How <laughs> strange <laughs> that now. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I went into that dressing room. Luis Van Gaal was the manager. And he took me to the office. Mikel, you're going to start training with the first team now. I was 16 in that moment. You're going to do the preseason with us. So I want you to be yourself. Go and and you have to respect people. But I want you to be yourself. So I went there and I sit next to Luis Figo <laughs> and I had Rivaldo, Guardiola, all those players in that moment and, and I was amazed, it was my dream. As I said before, I was a big Barcelona fan and for me it was a dream came true but as well you feel very, very insecure. Who came to talk to you? Guardiola was the first one. He was very supportive with me, Luis Enrique as well. He was brilliant with all the young players. He was very, very protective and, and he really helped you know, to have someone who commits to yourself and wants to look after yourself and give you advice. So, What did they tell you? Nothing, just, just natural, you know. We've all been in this situation, so enjoy, you know. That's a dream come true. So just enjoy every moment. We're going to learn, and, and if you are here, it's because he thinks that you have the level to be here. No one's going to give this opportunity if they don't believe that you have the level to be here. So... Every day, obviously, you start to get more comfortable, you start to talk to them more naturally, but the first few days are a shock, and you are very, very nervous even the night before, in the morning when you get in your car together. It's, it's a tough moment. <laughs> Hector, what do you remember? For me, it was a bit uh, more easy in, you know, like one day they told me, you know, Hector, you're going to train with the first team for the first time, but it was a session that involved a lot of reserves as well, just, I remember the subs uh, and then that training session, I remember um, Armand Traore was one of the players there and I I went for a tackle and uh, I almost break his ankle, you know and I was thinking, like, <laughs> oh, in the first wow. session you know, so uh, but then with the with the first team, it was always every time they needed players, they would go to the reserves and bring some players in. So 
Um, I would have before I joined the first team in preseason. I probably would have trained with them like 20 or 25 times already. So on the beginning of the 14th, 15th season, so last season, um, it was the first preseason with me with the first team. So it was the first time that I was in the same dressing room as them, and still involved in loads of young players, but with the with the real first team with the whole squad, and then. Um, it got to a point where I started playing as well, uh, playing for the first team kind of regularly, and I was still in the in the reserves dressing room, you know. So I was a bit just waiting for that moment because I couldn't wait anymore. And then I remember one day I was in the gym and the and the kit man uh, VK just came to me and he's like, "Where well, pack your things? You you're walking across the the other side, you know?" Because they always say the the dressing rooms from the 21s and the first team are divided by I don't know 20 yards and they say it's the longest 20 yards you want to work you know in in here at Arsenal so I remember that day like it was the first time people like Santi Cazola saying like what are you doing here I like, yeah, this is my locker now you know and um, I, I've always felt uh, really really lucky to have uh, people like like Mika you know in the in the team that as he said the, the same talk that they they gave to him he he gave it to me when when I joined on the on the first week and people like Santi or Nacho especially the people that um, are from Spain you know and you get that relationship with and they're the people that help you the most and as he said uh, we always we all go from through these stages and and it's nice that um People like Mika, especially they they do what they did uh, for him to the young players. And I remember that comment that uh, not long ago I said to him, "Thank you for everything that you've done through this stage." And he said, "I hope that next time when you get a young kid from, you know, you do the same that you're doing because that's how it goes." So um, that things you know that makes you that makes you think how how important it is the relationships in the dressing room as well. You know, for a young player to be confident in to get to play good football. So you get into the first training session or one of those training sessions, uh, transitional training sessions that yeah. you talked about, and you look around and you think, right, I'm faster than most. So I'm <laughs> going to make sure that everybody sees how fast I am. Is that, is that nah, the back of your mind? I mean, once you're there, for me, to be fair, I was just trying to stand out on the pitch but not much outside of it you know so I didn't I'm not that kind of guy that wanted to be the main guy in the training session I do my job make sure I impress the manager but in my own way it wasn't until one day you know we had this this pit test and it happened you know and I think uh, for me as a young player it was a good thing because it let people um, make me known for in a way you know but uh, I mean it was a great experience and and, but I never was the one like, come on, I'm here, the fastest he who wants to race me. I've never been like that. So. Danny Mills down the right-hand side, driving forward against the Wolves' back line. That's a clear free kick. He's livid, Danny Mills, you know. Danny Mills complains, but Borough are taking this free kick quickly. Mendieta wants it. Mendieta gets it. Mendieta blasts it. Geiska Mendieta finds the top corner for Middlesbrough. It's two in two for the Spaniard. He won't have scored too many better than that in his entire career. What a goal from Mendieta. The Riverside goes wild. You were one of the early Spanish players to come off of of renowned players um, so you didn't have many other people to compare your experience with so from those first weeks months in England have you got a story that you tell everybody that represents what that England was at the time or how you perceived England at the time those first months what kind of England did you find well obviously it was the north also so it's different to what is London and everything uh, so it was 
I was obviously with my family, which that helped a lot. Some of the single guys in the team struggle, you know, like Mikkel. Because <laughs> like Mikkel has got Busy, busy agendas. Busy agendas. Uh, the guys, the single guys, obviously stick together, watch the games, but it's it's quite a difficult place for, for single players. They, they struggle. Uh, also because it's not like nowadays, food, everything, everything was difficult. Every, every friend, family that used to come to see me Either you're bringing ham on and, and stuff, or you're not coming. <laughs> to, to the point of that, because you couldn't find anything in the supermarkets. Not even Italian food or anything. It, it was so, so difficult. And, like I said, it was a great experience with the family. Uh, I remember 5 o'clock p.m., everything, like, it was deserted. Like, everyone was disappeared. You go for a walk, and where's, where's the people? Where's the shops are closed? What's, go- what's going on here? So, you have to adapt to the different culture. And that takes, uh, obviously with the kids helps, because you get to know people, uh, you take them to do activities or you go to places. Otherwise, that's why I think um, in a places like that, the, the single players struggle. But, uh, but family, family-wise, family it was, it was a great experience. So Mikel, Lector, when, when you ran back home, what did you say? You know, oh, look at this, or look what's happening, or this country is like this, or what, what, what shocked you most in the first few months? When we used to back to Spain? No, when you were in the first months in England or in Britain in your case. Well, the gas cassette is a great example. Like, uh, we have a culture that after training you go home, you have your lunch quite late, 2, 2, 30 p.m., then you sleep. Then it's 4.35 when you wake up and I say, okay, now let's go for a walk. <laughs> I used to go in Liverpool for a walk. It was deserted. It was no one there, you know. And it's, it was a bit depressing. But for me, the, the most important thing is when you just open your home door and you see your wife's face. If she's smiling, she's happy, I think that's going to be transmitted to the rest of the family, you know. And, and she, if she's struggling... I think it's going to make life very, very difficult, you know. So for me, the way they settle is going to set up, you know, your your success or or your failure in terms of football because it's, it's a vital part. And, and in your case, you're still open-eyed and you're still in awe of this country and you still, you can tell, you are, you are, you have adapted. So you're still at the beginning of that experience. For you, everything, you still must be finding things that are new to you. Yeah, definitely, of course. Uh, but I think what they both said is the, the thing that shocks you the most, you know, the going out at five o'clock and it's dark, there's no one in the streets, there's nothing to do. And luckily, um, John and me, um, the family had a son that was uh, 20 years old and he took us one day to play snooker in, one, uh, in a snooker club in Enfield in North London. And that was the only place I think it was open after five. So I think what well, we we took up a uh, snooker. We used to play like every afternoon. I think at some point I must have been like the best Spanish snooker player in London, you know, <laughs> because it was like every single day going there. And I'll tell you, for like six months that was uh, our plan until we started to you know being able to drive or kind of have more confidence with other teammates to do other kind of stuff, you know. But. Um, it was tough, uh, as they all say, because it's really, really shocking. But, you know, I think we, we made the, the most of it. So once again for the title to Fergie, because Miguel Arteta has just thundered one home, picked the ball up around 25, 30 yards out after some miscontrol by Pizarro, and he has fired it right-footed with a bit of fade and swerve on it. Hart was nowhere near it. City nowhere near the title. It's 
Hi, I'm Mikel Arteta. I was born the 26th of March of uh, 82 in San Sebastian, Spain. Signed for Glasgow Rangers in 2003, where he won the treble before moving to Everton, spending many enjoyable years in the city of Liverpool, and is currently the Arsenal's captain. Mikel is a tactical, creative midfielder with over 280 Premier League appearances, and highlights include helping the Gunners to back-to-back FA Cup wins during the 13-14 and 14-15 seasons. Thomas Vermaelen and Mikel Arteta are handed the FA Cup. They move to the edge of the balcony and thrust it to the sky. Arsenal win a trophy for the first time in nine years. The FA Cup belongs to Arsenal again. The three of you have, uh, have adapted really well. You, you hardly have a Spanish accent like some Spanish people have. Um, so you, you are talking about a half English, half a Spanish person there now. Are you foreign here and are you foreign back home as well? Do you feel that way? Which is one of the dramas of the emigrant. You don't belong anywhere. You belong everywhere, but you don't belong anywhere. Do you feel like that a bit, Mikael? I think your experiences dictate your personality and how you feel as well about being in certain places. Me, I'm so grateful about the experience that I've been through in this country that partly I feel English, 100%. I have to, because without your experience, probably my life would have been completely different, you know. So I really appreciate what I've been through, how people have been with me, and, and the chance I was, I've been given to, to enjoy this fantastic journey. And then life will take you to another place, probably, but... Uh, for me, they've been 14 years here. That's a long time. So uh, as El Ultimo de la Fila, a, a band that some of you may know, says, uh, your country are your shoes. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Now, if England had called you mm. to uh, be part of the national team, what would you have said? They did come. Fabio Capello approached David Moyes when I was at Everton, and, uh, and I spoke to them. And uh, I was really thinking about it, but it was a lot on that moment and UEFA or FIFA I think it was didn't allow it so we had to take it to court and it was a big hassle but uh, I was half ready to go on that war but uh, at the end we decided that that it was uh, to challenge the FIFA it was going to be a, a big story you know and uh, and as well my aim was always to play with the national team, Spanish national team. At that time, I was still hoping that one day I was going to get a goal. Mikel Arteta gets his first goal of the season. The man from San Sebastián has scored. And Everton lead Liverpool by two goals to nil on TalkSport. I remember the Luis Aragonés. There was a friendly against England. Mm. Was it Old Trafford or was it... And we all thought you were going to be called up for that one. Mm. I guess you did as well. Uh, did you get injured just before that, or, or what, what happened? There were three times where I thought I was very close, and on two occasions, yeah, once I did my crusade. And they called me from the national team to wish me all the best and to tell me that I was very close to joining it. But again, I have, I have that regret, but I completely understand why I haven't been, because they've been some fantastic players and probably the best midfielder generation ever and I accept that probably they are better than me it's very simple so you so you 
were part of the setup of Spain, but didn't manage to participate in the successful era. You're too young for it, Hector. <laughs> he will. And, and you will participate, <laughs> yeah. no, no doubt. And of course, Gaika for you was a little bit too early. You were part of, a, of that generation that should have won something, but didn't. So is there an explanation why? I think with, luckily with Spain, there's always been a should have happened before. I think if you ask different generations of players, we, they, they all agree that yeah, you could have won it any other time, any other big tournament. Um, I think psychologically we had this barrier of uh, the quarterfinal. We spent quarterfinal. We'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll make it. I remember in my case playing France in one of the Euros, World Cup with uh, Korea, and I don't like to say, it, but. Sometimes if you, you get unlucky, some of the times something else happened, and in one of them something else happened, uh, and we were unlucky not to make it through the semi-finals. I think any any team before, uh, for the potential and the players we had, would have made it through the quarterfinals. I think would have reached the final. I'm not saying they want to win it, but would have reached the final for sure. But you know, I think we all are part of it. The guys, the guys that have been involved, the guys that haven't been involved. We all part of the Spanish football. We all make the other players better, whether if we in the, in the national team or not. Uh, because when you're there, I remember the first time my name sounded to be in the in the squad. It was for the for England Euros with Clemente, and it was between me and uh, Ito from Betis. So obviously, some players were saying me were going to be in the squad, or someone said Ito were in the squad. At the end, Ito was in the squad. I was in the squad. But I think these challenges, this this. A sporting rivalry makes you even better player, and that improves the general sort of uh, idea and, and, and improves the, every player and the squad that's itself. And that's what happened with, with I think with Aragonés, you know, changed completely the dynamics of the national team and, 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 and how we understood the national team should be, and you know, and, and, and pressed the right uh, the right key and, and founded the team and the philosophy that we were looking for for so long. There's a myth during the rounds about the national team that uh, it's divided between the Castilians and the Catalans and the Basques and so on. We've got two Basques here, two Catalans here on the table. Can we just kill this myth once and for all? I can look at the titles, look at the teams, the players, and that should tell you what it's about. As this, simple as that. There's never been, has it? Uh, a situation where you don't want to play for that guy because that guy is from Madrid and you're from Barcelona. It has never been like that, has it, at any, any level? No. It? In my case, for sure. You never felt... No, never, 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 never. Not at all. You're going through the ranks of the national team and it is. it must be almost like going to another club, isn't it? Where you know everybody, where you know the coaches that are ahead of you, the players, because you perhaps have mixed uh, lower ages it's like going to another club yeah it's got that that kind of feeling sometimes you know but um, I'm lucky as well to to meet up with some of the players that used to play back at, at Barcelona when we were really young you know because I spent there for um, almost eight years so obviously it's always nice to go back and and it's different you know because uh, my professional uh, career has always been in England you know it's always been the English football the English kind of mentality and training so obviously going back to the Spanish national team is a, is a bit hard for the for the few days you know and why, why? Uh, I mean it's just um, when you train for Barcelona as a young age it's not the same as when you train a, as a professional you know and uh, 
mm, the the way I mean in here there's a lot of um, activations before training and a lot of gym and a lot of that stuff but then you go national team and sometimes we can even use one you know and uh, for in here in, in England I think you must have one gym before you train um, a little session to get activated or stuff like that it's just a different kind of mentality you know so it's going to a complete different different team different world yeah to Bellerin who shoots towards the far corner and he does what a goal what a great finish that was from Bellerin on the edge of the area in the second half of a very Spanish revolution Hector Bellerin Mikel Arteta and Gaizka Mendieta talk honestly about their motivations in football they tell me why so many Spanish players have found a home in England and what their favourite English food is a very Spanish revolution on Talk Sport. Welcome back to the second half of A Very Spanish Revolution with me, Guillem Balaguer. This is the story of how so many Spanish players have become key to the success story of the Premier League, have made England their homes and gained the adulation and respect of the English fans. We've heard how good Hector Bellerin got a snooker and how Mikel Arteta came close to playing for England. Next, Bellerin, Arteta and Mendieta assess the future prospects of another Spanish manager, Coming to these shows, Pep Guardiola. Mendieta gets it. Mendieta blasts it. Gaitka Mendieta finds the top corner for Middlesbrough. And as far as Arteta, who unleashes a powerful drive into the corner of the net from the edge of the D. And Everton are 2-0 up against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. The man from San Sebastián has scored. Gives it to Bellerin, who shoots towards the far corner, and he does! What a goal! What a great finish that was from Bellerin. On the edge of the area, he caps a five-star attacking display from Arsenal. Hi, I'm Gaiska Mendieta. Yukubu's got it back. Mendieta is there! Mendieta makes it more for Middlesbrough. Hi, I'm Mikel Arteta. Arteta's won it for Arsenal. Arteta goes for goal! Arteta scores the goal! It's Arsenal 1, Manchester City nil. It's Mikel Arteta! Hi, I'm Hector Bellerin. And then the volley effort deflected in. 3-0 to Arsenal. And Hector Bellerin's on the score sheet. Three minutes into the second half. It's surely job done for Arsenal. The big difference, the one that you say really uh, marks two different cultures between Spanish and, and English in football, what is for you? What is the big difference between Spanish and English football? Is it the way we prepare the games, the way we play the games, the intensity, the way people uh, treat their profession? What is it? Well, in my days, a lot, a lot of big differences. 
from the training sessions, from the preparation, from the professionality of the players and my experience with, with uh, Middlesbrough, uh, and obviously the football itself. Uh, so it, it was a lot, of, a lot, of, a big shock when I when I got there, and I remember the the first game we played away. We in Spain we normally have a glass of wine uh, with a meal, with a dinner. It's okay, you know. It's even advisable to have one. So I remember asking for that, and and, and, and I could see from the manager's table someone was saying like, "You're not having alcohol." I was like, "Well, it's just one glass." So he, he tapped me on the shoulder and, and, and called me to the table and said, "Look, we can't allow one glass because the guys if you have one glass that takes to another one and to another one and." So it's better not to have one. I said, okay, I understand that. But then while we're having fries and fried eggs and the ketchup is there, and why are we not having proper meals? While we have pizzas after the game, while we have chocolate bars and all that stuff. So there was, there was, there was quite still like a long time from where, where Spain was. Obviously now it's changed completely, and we changed uh, through, the, through the time as well. Uh, so a lot, a lot of things different and in the, in the play. The game was so open, so many chances, so many spaces for, especially attacking midfielder. Sometimes in games in Spain, you wouldn't get one chance. In England, you get lots of chances every every game, every game. And we're lucky to have good players in the team. So by playing the ball and, and possession, I really enjoyed it. But it was, was so different. Chronologically, it should be you, Mikel. Now, what what uh, what differences did you find at first, and how again how when evolved? I joined? It was probably a little bit before that guys even joined uh, the Premier League, but uh, they were miles behind in terms of lifestyle and what is demanding for a top athlete. They were miles away from the Spanish culture. Again, the sessions, in my opinion, as well, the setups, the technical level as well, and the tactical level was right behind. And obviously, in the past 10 years, they have a lot of influence from many different cultures and nationalities and coaches, and I think that gap has been closed very much. I think now the biggest difference, I think we have still that chickiness comparing to the English, you know. And it's not to cheat, but it's just to be right on that limit. Game and chip. A little bit of game and chip. And Don't call it cheating. I think we are still, <laughs> you know, and it's not only a Spanish thing, probably South Americans as well are a little bit in front of, uh, of English. But here they love, you know, to be so clean and, and to be, you know, so... I don't know how to describe it, but, um, but yes, it's still a difference. And what did you find, Hector? For me, the biggest difference was uh, well, on the first day of training, I remember walking out with the under-18s and, you know, no one was carrying a set of footballs, you know, so I was looking around and see, oh, maybe they must be on the pitch. I'm going on the pitch, I only see poles, I don't see balls, and I'm, I asked the coach, like, well, the football should I go and get them? So no, no, no footballs this morning, <laughs> you know. And I was thinking that's weird because especially Barcelona, obviously at a young age, you don't work. Your physical side is always ball, 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 and that's it. So that was the most shocking thing for me. I mean, that that says it all, you know. Then after um, in the afternoon session, we had a bit of, of a possession and that. But you know, that first feeling of thinking like, where did I come to? You know, <laughs> like this is really, really different. But. I mean, then I realized that for the kind of football that you played, 
you needed that you know i remember me and john were the ones behind you know the you know the the exercises like we had our tongue out we couldn't like run anymore and then the season after i was one of the first ones you know so it showed like the improvement and then um but i think it was really really needed for the the intensity and the kind of football that we play in england well we'll finish the tapas there's still some cheese there by the way uh, and some croquettes and tomato of course two of us are drinking wine i won't tell you who the other person is but i'll give you a clue he's not a professional player <laughs> uh, in any case uh Before we, we go to what I think is the thing that convinces you that this is an amazing place f to play football, before we go into that, I want you to think, I'll ask you in a bit, you have to tell me one song that's important to you, one book, one movie, and a place, and why. But before we go into that, that moment where you actually uh, walk from the changing rooms in the stadium to the pitch, to the ground, the stadium full of people, the noise, the smell. You only find that in England, do you? So consistently. That noise, do you get it anywhere else, Hector? I mean, me as a, as a young player and only having my professional career in England is hard to say, you know, because I've only lived England uh, unless we've played away in the Champions League and that. But for me, my first professional games were at Watford. Uh, I've played, uh, had eight appearances and the... Gianfranco Zola and um, it was it was great you know to play every afternoon and the whole stadium be packed and you're thinking like that doesn't happen in second division in Spain you know so I mean the level was also better but it was just the as you say the atmosphere then finish the game had loads of fans in the bus you know a little uh, 18 years old you know coming from Arsenal and giving you that amount of love I don't think you can find that in, in any other country. By the way, you, when you came on for the first time for Arsenal, who did you replace? Uh, I replaced Mikel Arteta ah. as, as a centre midfielder. <laughs> well, what did you think, Mikel? Well, this guy is trying to push me out. <laughs> I remember the boss yeah. telling me, come on Hector, you're coming on as a centre mid. And I started like, laughing because I was thinking, nah, he's, he's taking the penny. He's like, no, seriously, there's no other player. So I had to come on and he's like, listen, just um, listen to the, the defenders, you know, to tell you what to do in defence. And then when you have the ball, just play easy. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to try and do. And then it turned out, you know, 1-1, one, one, we, we won in the, in the penalties. So I think it was a <laughs> successful debut, yeah. So you have been a centre midfielder. Well, that was a short-lived <laughs> career, wasn't it, though? Did that you was very play? short, yeah, very <laughs> short. And Gaifka, you've been different countries, you play for different mm. clubs. That feeling of, of walking into an English stadium was unique. Yeah, I, I think you, you can find definitely that same feeling that you find in the uh, English or uh, Premier League stadiums. Uh, I said that I've taken English friends to Spanish games and they say it's incredible, it's unique, it's different. I think the, the, obviously the character of the, the fans is completely different. You definitely can't find, you cannot find the respect that there is for the players the way you could just walk out the stadium and go and get your car, whether you lost or you won. Uh, and the way, I think the cultural side of the, of the players as well, uh, the fans, sorry, the way they know everything about you. They would tell you, oh, you scored that goal against, remember when you played Champions League or when you played that? Uh, that sort of culture, which comes with the English uh, character, is it, not in Spain as in general as it is in here. But that, that 
noise when you hear a throw-in. I remember that, that game um, debut against Leicester. A throw-in near the post. People standing and clapping. It's like, you know what I mean? It's only a throw-in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, miles away. But that's, that's how they live it. And, and it's, that's, you can't see that anywhere else. Delaney playing the ball down the left side for Crystal Palace. Nil-nil the score on TalkSport. Chelsea meet, need to win, remember. Zaha, oh, it's clipped back towards Punch and Punch and shoots. What a block by John Terry as he pulls the trigger Punch and it's still alive inside the area. Across goes Much and he thrusts it right the way through the box and out on the other side. But what a chance for Crystal Palace. Zaha with a little touch. There was the deflection which took it through to Punch and Punch and was free on the penalty spot. He was driving the ball goalwards and then out of nowhere, the blue flash of John Terry to block it. World-class defender, world-class defending. You're listening to A Very Spanish Revolution with me, Guillem Balague. Next, Bellerin, Arteta and Mendieta assess the future prospects of another Spanish manager coming to these shows, Pep Guardiola. Very Spanish Revolution on Talk Sport. Hi, I'm Hector Bellerin. I was born on the 19th of March of 1995 in Barcelona, and my favorite English food is uh, fish and chips. Bit of space for Bellerin to run into, a chance to cross into the near post. Olivier Giroud is there, stunning save by Pantillamon, and Giroud can't do the follow. Bellerin started his club football career in the youth teams of FC Barcelona. He moved to Arsenal in the summer of 2011, signed his first professional contract in July 2013, made his competitive debut away to West Brom Albion in the third round of the League Cup in September 2013, coming on in the 95th minute as a substitute for Mikel Arteta. A short spell on loan at Championship Club Watford followed before returning to Arsenal. He scored his first goal for Arsenal on the 1st of February 2015 in a 5-0 win against Aston Villa. Gives it to Bellerin, who shoots towards the far corner and he does! What a goal! What a great finish that was from Bellerin on the edge of the area, which was hit like an Exocet missile. Was selected to star for Arsenal in the 2015 FA Cup final, helping the team to a famous 4-0 win against Aston Villa and was the sole Arsenal player listed in the 2015-16 season's PFA Team of the Year. Interception by Bellerin on halfway. He's put Arsenal on the front foot here. Ball eventually sent out wide towards the right. Alexis Sanchez, decent cross into the centre, looking for Giroud. And he meets it firmly and guides it beyond Jack Alex. You're listening to A Very Spanish Revolution with me, Guillem Balague. Hector Bellerin, Mikel Arteta and Gaizka Mendieta, three players, sat down with me and we discussed all manner of things. Next, we hear what music motivates them ahead of a game. Xavi Hernández told me once that if the uh, Camp Nou had the noise of uh, Goodison Park, they'll win every single game. Do you agree with that? It does, it does make a big difference. I think he set up everything on a mindset to the players that creates a, a different flow, a different, I don't know, willingness to win and energy uh, around the team. You know, when, when you, you just get a gimmick, it's that momentum, you cannot stop it. And, and it's very hard to find in different countries. Paris is a capital, but it's a, it's a little bit different to other capitals in Europe. I think when, when that stadium really wants to push the team, it's got the power to do it, but... 
on a daily basis, I think you can't compare any other country or league with, with the Premier League. Right. The song. I mean, this is going to sound uh, a bit different to be fair, but uh, my granddad, uh, he's always been a really good singer, you know, so for my 20th birthday, he actually made a song about me playing football, you know, and uh, that was uh, my birthday present. So, uh, you know, usually before big games and stuff like that, you know, I go and, and listen to it and, you know, it's, it's kind of emotional. It's a really nice song, not too, not too long. But, uh, yeah, that's my song. That's my favourite song. What does the song say? Um, well, it's a bit, you know, obviously, you have to sing, as, now, as, you have as, to a, sing as a granddad, as a granddad, you know, seeing his grandson, he puts in a song like, I'm here, God, you know, <laughs> the God of football. But, yeah, it says something like that, like how the grass admires me when I run or something like that. You know? uh, I think it's really nice, it's really nice. Yeah. Has he got a good voice then? Yeah, really good voice, yeah. Gaithka? I'd say Perfect Day, Lou Reed. Why? I think because of the lyrics, because it's a song that you can listen, and I've listened so many times before games, uh, so it reminds me of those preparation in the bus from the hotel to the stadium. And yeah. Football memories. Manchester United reeling here and Middlesbrough just slicing through them. Mendieta is through here on the right-hand side. Well found. No one's coming to him. He's taken the shot. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Mendieta. 35 yards out. It's moving away from Van der Sar. The keeper had no chance. But Middlesbrough are leading Manchester United. Mendieta with a make Sure, I've got one uh, very famous Spanish singer, Julio Iglesias, you know, and, and my father... You look like him a little bit. No, <laughs> my father used to always uh, put that song, and this one song, it talks about how hard it is uh, to get to the top, but how much harder it is to maintain to at the top, you know, so he always insisted that, bear in mind that, okay, you've done very well to get there, but what is coming is much harder. And the other one is the Gladiator song and because we used to play a lot at Everton just before big games and we used to have Team K and all this on board just like pretending to fight and one minute before the start of the game we used to put it on and I create a great atmosphere so I, I really like that song. Osman is in the middle. Baines, can he provide another quality cross? Chance here, Arteta, it's there! Mikel Arteta in injury time for Everton! The crowd has gone crazy! David Moyes does create uh, very tight groups, uh, and of course Everton is not Arsenal. The expectations may be lower a little bit, mm. but Everton is... Is a, is a place where the fans want you to perform and want you to give out absolutely everything. And you did have a very good group working together. Was that perhaps the most enjoyable uh, football? You, not so much you played, but you were part of? As a group, 
we had a, a tremendous dressing room because ability-wise we were pretty average, <laughs> but the difference was on on the character of that team and the spirit that David uh, built over the years, and, and it really creates something special. Now we're going for a book, so all of you read. So should we start with you, Mikael? I don't have a a particular book that I will highlight. I love biographies about um, top elite uh, sportsmen, as well about some top uh, financial gadgets, and and I read different type of of books. But uh, I wouldn't highlight. I really like biographies. There's a great biography on Pep Guardiola. Yeah, um, it. <laughs> Written oh, yeah. by, let me think. Oh, yeah, uh, that was mine. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but you were with Pep Guardiola, and, you, uh, and, and you're friends with him. Uh, that step from the Bundesliga to the Premier League, how do you see that, that going? Another challenge. Uh, he's shown that uh, he's adaptable. Um, and that was a big task for him to move to a club where, where they won everything the previous year. And he still managed to convince those players that play in a different way, they could still be successful. And they have been really successful in the last three years. And this year they have, again, a great opportunity to be the top team in Europe and, and for sure the, the first in Bundesliga. So I think it's going to be great for the league to have someone like him. And Hector, there is nothing like what Pep Guardiola is trying to do with this team I mean Simeone influences the team again in, in a huge way but Pep Guardiola is trying to organise the attack at so many levels as well as trying to play the whole football in the, in the, in the opposite last third that's is unique I mean from, from the distance what you see it like that? Yeah I mean uh, I think uh, coming coming up through the ranks of Barcelona you know you can see loads of things that he puts on the pitch but it's a, a complete different level you know the the complexity of the movements but then at the end of the day it looks such a simple football um, I think that's what makes him great and I think um, Johan Cruyff said that that sentence you know that uh, the, the hardest thing is to play the, the easy football and I think that's one of the things uh, he's making seeing it from the outside I'm going to come back to you for the book but before that of course Gathka you, you have played with him he was a leader he was a captain uh, with or without the armband but did you see him becoming such a meticulous and successful coach? Meticulous? Yes definitely because <laughs> he was uh, even when he was a player uh, successful I don't think you can determine how successful someone can be like when you see the likes of any other players or managers but definitely he would be someone that that he would try to change football or have his input in football uh, because he was such a believer of, of the, 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 his philosophy and Barca philosophy so definitely you could gather that he was going to be successful but again how big I think always always surprise you and you're looking forward to seeing what he can do with City? Yes, very much so, because I think Premier League is quite a unique league in terms of football, in terms of what he's been doing for Bayern and Barca, obviously trying to do it with or replicate it with Man City, a team that he needs, or for sure is going to bring new players, how these players are going to adapt to him, how the Premier League is going to adapt to him, how he's going to adapt to the Premier League. It's going to be so exciting, definitely. Yeah. Hector, the book. 
The book, uh, for me, it has to be a book uh, by Cesco Spa that was the um, handball coach of Barcelona for a long time. And I don't think the book's translated to the English. It's called uh, Play With The Heart. And um, at just 14, 15 years old, uh, one of the coaches at Barcelona, Victor Sanchez, he's a Fiorentina as an assistant now, he was the first coach that introduced us young players uh, to the psychological side of the game. Uh, started with little stories and things like that and he told us that whoever wanted he could read that book and I think that's one of the books that you know um, painted that picture in my head that football is not just about your feet you know it's in your head the uh, most part of it and and I think that's one of the books that probably helped me the most to be where I am right now and in fact for coaches uh it's about managing not only the feet but the head as well. Mm-hmm. So, out of the coaches that you had, can you think of one motivational speak that uh, that really affected you, that really helped you somehow? And, and can you share it? I mean, it's, that's hard to say, you know, because uh, every game has got a different kind of message and and stuff like that. But I think uh, not just the coaches, but. Uh, We've had, I think it's important also from the players, you know, and this year I think Peter Cech has been one of the players that um, he's stand up in the dressing room, you know, and, and give really good speeches as well, as well as Mika, you know, but, you know, to have someone coming from another club and on the first year, you know, feel that confidence and, and give such clear message to, especially for players like me, young players that we want to learn and it's important that we get this example for players. So he gave a, a few very good speeches this year. And the volley effort deflected in, 3-0 to Arsenal, and Hector Bellerin's on the score sheet. Three minutes into the second half, it's surely job done for Arsenal. Hi, I'm Gais Kamendieta, born the 27th March 74, born in Bilbao, and my favourite English food it's any English dessert. Manchester United reeling here and Middlesbrough just slicing through them. Mendieta is through here on the right-hand side. Well fouled. No one's coming to him. He's taken the shot. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Mendieta. 35 yards out. It's moving away from Van der Sar. The keeper had no chance. But Middlesbrough are leading Manchester United. Mendieta with a magnificent goal. Gaifka Mendieta. He signed for Boro in 2003 and enjoyed a successful four-year stint in the Northeast, winning the Carling Cup in his first season at the club. He made 62 appearances and scored four goals for Boro. Yukubu's cut it back. Mendieta is there! Mendieta makes it four for Middlesbrough. Mendieta has retained the affection for Teesside after making the move from Lazio, where he had become the world's most expensive footballer after the Italian team signing from Valencia for £30 million in 2001. Mendieta pulling strings once again in the Middlesbrough midfield. The talent of Mendieta, as good today at the Riverside as it was at the new Camp last season. You're listening to a very Spanish revolution with me, Guillem Balaguer. Despite the difference from food to music to stadiums, Hector Bellerin, Mikel Arteta and Gaifka Mendieta chose the English Premier League for football and a home far away from their own. 
We've heard how good Hector Bellerin got a snooker. The thing that shocks you the most, you know, they're going out at five o'clock and it's dark, there's no one in the streets, there's nothing to do. And luckily, um, John and me, um, the family had a son that was uh, 20 years old and he took us one day to play snooker in, one, uh, in a snooker club in Enfield in North London. And that was the only place I think it was open after five. So I think, well, we, we took up a snooker. We used to play like every afternoon. I think at some point I must have been like the best Spanish snooker player in London, you know, <laughs> because it was like every single day going there. And I'll tell you, for like six months, that was uh, our plan until we started to, you know, being able to drive or kind of have more confidence with other teammates to do other kind of stuff, you know, but... Um, it was tough, uh, as they all say, because it's really, really shocking. But, you know, I think we, we made the, the most of it. And how Mikel Arteta came close to playing for England. Fabio Capello approached David Moyes when I was at Everton. And, uh, and I spoke to them. And uh, I was really thinking about it, but it was a lot on that moment. And UEFA or FIFA, I think it was, didn't allow it. So we had to take it to court and it was a big hassle. But... Uh, I was half ready to go on that war, but uh, at the end we decided that that it was uh, to challenge the FIFA. It was going to be a, a big story, you know, and uh, and as well, my aim was always to play with the national team, Spanish national team. At that time, I was still hoping that one day I was going to get a call. I met Kaiz Camendieta, Mikel Arteta, and Hector Bellerin. What else? at Iberica, a fantastic tapas bar in London, and we did what Spanish people do, eat tapas and talk, in particular about what their lives have been like in England. Kaika, the book? Book, I go for Nick Horby, not favorite pitch, which he was very good about football, I go for High Fidelity, it's a book that I read in one day, that I just, I just loved it. And it's got to do with the fact that you love music, of course. And the fact that the music is involved, obviously, yeah. And not a lot of people with record shops. So it was very identifying with a lot of friends that, that I know. Yeah. Can I say one of the greatest days of my life was sharing with you the stage on the Cavern, Liverpool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. One of uh, mine, yeah. So there was uh, songs that I composed that were played there by Baseball Grip and uh, King and Skulls. Yeah. And then you and I chatted. But then, of course, the whole thing finished with you DJing for yeah. the for the Which for the people. me DJing in the Cavern, uh, that was... Highlight definitely somewhere like the Beatles, obviously, it's not the original, but still, the, the sentimental side of it, part of it, uh, was incredible. Yeah, so thanks. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. London is wonderful, and, and you all have lived or lived near London, but Liverpool, the cabin, Liverpool is a special place, it's, 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 a, it's a unique place. Everybody that goes to Liverpool has to go back. Do you go back, Mika? I've been there a few times, yeah. I had the chance to play there a few times as well after I left, but uh, you really leave something, yeah, some great memories, and uh, and it's got it's got an special atmosphere. The fact that uh, it has a big history related to music, I think it makes it special. I think the fact that it's got two big teams in the same city and the way they confront each other, it makes it special, and as well the people. So it's uh, it's one of my favorite places for sure you um, you are a, an example of uh, for many Spanish players that come to the Premier League uh, and many have been coming for the last decade or so anybody has got a reason why why is there so many Spanish players that do come and adapt to the Premier League 
I think we find it, obviously, Spanish players in general are very professional, uh, which is something that it helps us to adapt to any culture, really. Uh, the football style, I think, it helps us with the right managers. Obviously, I've seen, I think Rafa helped also to, uh, Benitez to, to change that, uh, because a lot of coaches used to play more the English football with the long balls and stuff. But since, the, since this, that have changed, uh, I think we, we find it kind of easy to adapt to the, to the, to the football that is playing here. Hector, one movie. Uh, one sorry. One movie. One movie. Uh, I really enjoyed the Invictus movie. Probably, I don't know if it's my favorite, but you know, I think the the message that it gets across, I think, is a really good one. You know, the the unity of a country through through a sport. I think that that is a, a very remarkable thing that happened in history. But I think it was very well pictured in that in that movie. Do you hear? Listen to your country. I was thinking about how you spent 30 years in a tiny cell and come out ready to forgive the people who put you there. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Michael Geithka, are we seeing a mature player or are we seeing a future coach? Because he does talk <laughs> like a bit of a coach, doesn't he? Both. Maybe we've seen both. A very mature future coach. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Never know. Michael, one movie. I think Gladiator again is one of the, my top films for sure. Why? I don't know the way it makes me feel. And there are certain moments in the movie where you just attach to the screen and you really feel like you, you're living the story. My name is Gladiator. Father to a murdered son. Husband to a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. At my signal, unleash hell. Am I not merciful? What we do in life echoes in eternity. I'll make it easy and I go for the movie of High Fidelity, <laughs> which it has nothing to do with the well, nothing to do with the book because it was filmed in Chicago and the, the book is obviously based in London. But again, it's, it's that, that link with the music and, and, and the other part of football that, that is uh, one of my passions. And um, with the great John Koshak, of course. John Koshak, feel amazing as, as usual. Touchstone Pictures presents. How's he? He's growing on me. He looks like he could grow on something. John Cusack, Jack Black, Lisa Bonet, Joan Cusack, Eben Yila, and Lily Taylor. Obviously, I know how special Laura is. I would hate it if I lost her. You know what I'm saying, G? Get your patchouli stick out of my store! Think about it, Rob. Okay. High fidelity. 
I'm looking for a record for my daughter. I just called to say I love you. Do we look like the kind of store that tells I just called to say I love you? Go to the mall. What's your problem? Do you even know your daughter? There's no way she likes that song. Oh, oh, oh. is she in a coma? I will ask you about a place, uh, but before before that and uh, running after com- the conversation, uh, we are in the year, I don't know, 2000 and in 30 years' time, 40 years' time. You're now 60, all of you. What would you be doing when you are 60, Mikael? <laughs> Who knows? You know? I hope I'm doing what I'm what I plan to do and, and what I'm enjoying doing, you know. That's for me the best thing and and I have my family close to me and I've been able to create a good environment for my kids and my family to grow. But uh, I don't know, I don't know what I'd be doing. I have you got a plan or not? For sixty I don't have a plan for the next three, so <laughs> I imagine. Hector? Yeah, for me, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, because uh, still a long way to go. But hopefully, kind of what Mika says, you know, close to my family. Um, hopefully, in a warm, hot place, you know. By <laughs> the sea, by the sea, yeah, nah, that that'd be something nice. That'd be something that that I think about it. But um, yeah, probably probably that'd be place and occasion. Okay. Uh, similar answer. No idea what I'm doing next month, so I don't know what I'm going to be doing in 60. But I'm hoping to be doing something that I like and I have a passion for, like I've been doing since I retired. Uh, I never thought I would be doing all the things that I'm doing at the moment. You would ask me as a player. So same now, if you ask me about here in, in 20, 30 years, I'm hoping to be doing all the things that I, that I love and, and make me happy. Arsenal 1, Liverpool 0, Hexa Bellerin with his second of the season coming on 36 minutes. It was good play down the right-hand side, laid back to him by uh, Ramsey, and Bellerin, the right-back, going in to the penalty area, cutting onto his left foot. There were four Liverpool shirts around him. Moreno seemed more concerned about... uh, the Bellerin wanting to cross the ball, so he made sure he got his arms behind his back, which made it easy to just glide around him and then curl it left-footed into the bottom corner on the far side. Hector Bellerin has the first goal of the afternoon. Arsenal 1, Liverpool 0. A very Spanish revolution on Talk Sport. Welcome back to the second half of A Very Spanish Revolution. The story of how so many Spanish players have become key to the success story of the Premier League, have made England their homes and gained the adulation and respect of the English fans. Nineteen minutes uh, gone in the second half. Lovely bit of football, lovely finish from Cesc Fabregas, and Arsenal are 2-0 in front. It's beautiful stuff from the Gunners. Punched away by the keeper and headed in by Luis Garcia. And then he's fallen back in and chipped over the bar sensationally by David De Gea. And Xavi Alonso has made it four. Onto Silva, Silva going round the goalkeeper, finishing it off. Six. What a finish by Silva. Oh, 
Oh, David Silva, the magician. And it's Fernando Hierro, his first for Bolton Wanderers. Shooting low towards the goalkeeper's left. Brilliant save down to his left by Pepe Reina, who puts out a big, strong left arm. Goes back out to Michi. Oh, he's tapped it in from seven yards out. So Alex Ferguson's heard of him now. Into Di Maria, looks for Mata again. Mata with a wonderful bicycle kick pass. Simon Mignolet in front of the delirious Manchester United fans. Fabregas has spotted the run of Costa and he's picked him out here and he's checked it down and he's going to take it beyond Wojciech Szczesny. And Diego Costa has finished it. He comes through towards Cathola, he heads the ball towards goal, he hits the post, comes back to Cathola and he smashes it home. He came back to the Spaniard and he powered it into the net. Despite the difference from food to music to stadiums, Hector Bellerin, Mikel Arteta and Gaizka Mendieta chose the English Premier League for football and a home far away from their own. OK, choose a place. A place in the world. My kids has to be San Sebastian. That's where I born. I have my whole family there. And for me, it's one of the nicest cities in the world. And I always enjoy when I go there. And, and that's where I'm from. So for me, it's the best. Hector. For me... Any place that where I can see the sea. I think I got something for the sea because I grew up always in a place. And sometimes we even play Swansea away, you know. And I look out the window in the hotel and I see the sea. And I, I'm, it's something that makes me feel good for some reason, you know. But if I, if I have to choose a place, it'd be my hometown, Calella. In, is a town uh, 40 kilometers north from Barcelona. I really recommend it if you want to <laughs> go there there. on holidays. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a nice place. Yeah, and I just love to be in the beach and in the sun in the summer and there's nothing I would change there. Okay. Yeah, something similar. I grew up always by the sea, so the sea is always somewhere where I look for. But if you can find a place with the sea where I'm mean, living between two countries, family in both sides, always here and there, find one place by the sea that it has Everyone involved, yeah, you'll find me there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to finish this conversation without bringing three more people on the table. So it's the three of you and me here, of course. But I'd like you to tell me the most important person in your football life. The one that helped you when you needed it most or the one that took you to training. Mikael? My wife. I would have to say my parents as well for the first stages of my career because they really made the effort to, to be everywhere and be very supportive. But as well to have a successful career, the way she has adapted and, and what it brought to me, that calmness, that confidence and that support for me is uh, invaluable. And, and without her, I don't think I would be in the situation uh, I've been. Gajka? Me and my both parents. My dad, because obviously through his experience and, and support through all the years in my career. And my mom, because the same, because both always would been there for different reasons. Uh, my dad more on the football side, my mom more on the personal side. But uh, without them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been where I am, definitely. Hector. No. 
for me it has to be my family including my my grandparents you know because in between my parents and them they've always made uh, a really good effort and I honestly when I was at Barcelona I can't remember one single game where there was none of my family in the stands you know it didn't matter how far it was or against who we were playing there was always someone there and I think that's something that not many young players or players can can say and even now my my parents had to move to to England because they couldn't they couldn't uh, support seeing me so far away and they wanted to come to the games you know so I think they're probably the, the people that help me the most. Héctor Bellerín, Gazca Mendieta, Miquel Atleta, muchas gracias. Thank you. Normalmente. to Bellerin who shoots towards the far corner and he does what Brilliantly. a goal what a great finish that was from Bellerin on the edge of the area he caps a five star attacking display from Arsenal with a super strike from the edge of the area which was hit like an Exocet missile Arteta stands hands on hips on the edge of the 18-yard box. One, two, three, steps up. He goes the opposite side. He goes high towards the top corner. And Mikel Arteta has put Arsenal back into the lead in the FA Cup from the penalty spot. It's Arsenal 2, Everton 1. Heading towards the back line has found McElroney. McElroney was beaten up to do it. He looks for Janinho. Janinho's got Mendieta on the overlap. Janinho finds Mendieta. Mendieta! Sublime strike from Gaiska Mendieta with the laces bottom corner. It's a postage stamp right in the bottom corner. No chance for Taylor. And after four minutes at the Riverside Stadium, Mendieta makes it 1-0 for Middlesbrough. Gaizka Mendieta, Mikel Arteta and Héctor Bellerín. What you just heard is not a football story, but a life story of three guys that as kids they decided to follow their dreams and as teenagers they left the country, their families, all that they knew and they became better for it. In fact, after years in England, they do feel a portion of them is English. So this is the story of three emigrants and the very Spanish revolution, but also the story of England. Adiós, and see you soon. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, a very Spanish revolution on Talk Sport.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.